Good morning again. Good to see everybody. Um, uh, so I am here today. There was somebody approached me before the uh, service and said, I didn't think you'd be here today because I opened my bulletin and it says, Ascended into Heaven, John Paul, Senior Pastor. So, <laughs> sorry for both of us. Not yet. Or, I'm here. Like, when I'm not here, it's, um, I often, at North, our North Andover site, I once a month and I preach there as well, so that's why I'm not here, but no. Uh, not me, but we are considering this idea that Jesus ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the God, the Father Almighty. It's a phrase that comes from what we call the Apostles' Creed, uh, just a summary of the uh, Christian faith, of uh, what the Bible teaches about Jesus. It was not written by the Apostles, but a summary of their teaching, a summary of uh, what Scripture teaches, and what we're doing together uh, over this series is kind of rerouting ourselves. What are, the, what are the core beliefs of our faith? What do we really understand about who God is and who Jesus is and who we are? And let's reflect on those. And it's been interesting because I've talked to a number of people who've been Christians and following Jesus for a long time, and they said, you know, we're getting back to these really basic teachings, but there's a lot there. There's, I, I'm really, they're, they're sort of new to me now or, or coming alive in a new way, and that's exciting. And, other people are here on, as we gather on Sundays, and you're just exploring Jesus and just considering what is it that these people believe, and, and uh, is, is this for me, or is this, uh, what does it mean for me, I guess, is the question, and uh, people have been engaging this, and it's good to start at really core foundational truths, so uh, I, I've been enjoying it, I hope you've been enjoying this little journey as we've looked at these things. Today, is the, the phrase, though, is Jesus ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And it, it is a phrase that continues to describe the life of Jesus. And we've already covered that Jesus was uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And we, we actually focus on that at different seasons of the year. We call that uh, Advent and Christmas. And we have celebrations together and we have decorations and we exchange gifts. And it's very, we, we get that. Oh, we've also considered in the creed where it says he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. That we, and we remember those events on Holy Week and all that transpired and Jesus' death, which we remember and reflect on on Good Friday. And so we, we, we stop and pause on that as a community. And then uh, last week, the message was that Jesus on the third day rose again from the dead. And again, we celebrate that at Easter. We gather together our campuses of our church and with many people from our community, and we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. So today, we're considering that Jesus ascended into heaven. When do we celebrate that? What's the big holiday? What's the big event? Um, we, we, we tend to skip over it. And some churches uh, who hold to these traditions a little more strictly then we do will celebrate a feast of the uh, of the ascension, which was always 40 days after Easter. So it's always a Thursday. Or the Sunday after that, you would say, would be sort of Ascension Sunday, and they might teach or sing about these themes. Um, we, we didn't. It just happened a, a couple weeks ago. May 5th would have been Ascension Sunday for us. So we'll focus on it today. But May 5th was also Mother's Day. We didn't forget that. You know, we could forget the Ascension. It really gives us a hard time. You don't want to forget Mother's Day if you have, you know, uh, you celebrate that with your mom. Or, um, 
But it doesn't get a lot of attention, is my point. And I have, I have theology books. I love theology books. And I have a, a library in my office. And I have a big, thick, uh, two big, thick, systematic theology books that I go back to quite a bit. And they're each about 1,300 pages. And I open one of them, look up Ascension, two pages out of 1,300. The other one, almost three pages out of the, the this big, thick books. It just, it just gets sort of skipped over sometimes. And, but but it, what I want you to understand is that this is crucially important for us as followers of Jesus today, that Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This is what the Bible teaches, that Jesus uh, is, through him and for him, and for his glory, all, all things were made, everything seen and unseen, all of creation is is under the authority of Jesus. And, and Jesus is, rules over it, but he left his heavenly throne. He, he, he willingly left to humble himself and take on human nature. So God takes on human nature, God in the flesh, Jesus comes. And he comes here to... Uh, to to teach and to show us what, his, what he's all about, what his kingdom is all about. And he came to not just uh, to, to show it, but to demonstrate it and, and to seek us and to save people. And his mission was ful fulfilled and he, uh, as he, the, the, the greatest part of his mission was when he went to the cross. And on the cross, he took a punishment. And it wasn't a punishment that he deserved. It, it was a punishment that... I deserve, that you deserve. And he did that. And he died on that cross. And with that, all of our sin and brokenness dies with him. And he, but he rises to new life to defeat that. And he raises from the grave and, and defeats death that, that we can know all of life and eternal life. Did he accomplish that? So then he goes back. His work was done. It's time to go back to heaven to sit and to rule. And what it means is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all creation as we sang together. But that's where he is now. That's what he's doing now. We, we reflect on what he has done in history. What, he came and he served and he died and rose again. And those things happen. And we consider what he will do in the future, that he's coming back to restore all things and to, to just to finish all the restoring work. But what about today, right now? When we talk about the ascension, we're talking about where Jesus is now. And that's, so that's important, because if I want to experience him now, not just a guy who did some things in history past, or a guy who will accomplish some things in history future, it's like today. This is, this is my everyday. This is real, active, living faith. So this is, this is important for us. And so when we think about Jesus, he is... We can use language of he's my friend, that's true. He's my example, yes. He's my substitute and savior, absolutely. But he is Lord of the universe. And I want to, three ways that we respond to that this morning, that we can respond to that this morning, I want to focus on. Let's pray as we do that. So Father God, uh, by your Holy Spirit, we know that you're here and present and active, and we just pray that you would just do your good work in and, in and through us, that we would understand you and your heart, that we'd understand your word. Please teach us during this time, Lord. We give it to you. 
And we pray in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus ascended to heaven, and this was the account of this recorded in the book of Acts, which is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. So it's a, it was sort of a single work written on two scrolls or two books, as we would refer to it. So the, the former book would be the Gospel of Luke, the latter we call the Acts of the Apostles, which is Acts. And it's the account of Jesus returning to heaven. And if you look, it's, it says in verse 9, he said some things, and he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. So what's going on here? What's not going on here is, in what you might picture when you're trying to imagine this, it's not like a day where if you have a balloon, a helium balloon, or a child has a balloon, and they accidentally let it go, and it starts to float up, and you see it go, it's going, 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 it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, you can still kind of see it, and it's just a little dot, and then it kind of goes behind a cloud, or it's a cloudy day, and it's just kind of, poof, it's gone. I don't think that's what happened. That Jesus is sort of, oh, Jesus is so tiny and then a cloud just kind of goes, oh, and this, you know, he's gone. When, when, you, when you think about heaven and you think about God's presence and cloud, and the Bible is an amazing book. It's a very consistent book through, from start to finish. Who God is and how he reveals himself is very consistent. And God is, God is spirit. God is invisible. You can't see God unless God makes his presence known or makes his presence visible. And one way that God has done that throughout history is that God's presence is seen as, a, as, as cloud. So God's people, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they, uh, God led them, and they could see him. He was present before them as a pillar of cloud during the day. And if the, when Moses went up the mountain to interact with God, that the people saw that as a cloud of God's presence. And and if you're familiar with the account of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, that, that there was a cloud that really heaven and earth are, the realm of heaven and the, the realm of earth as we know it are sort of colliding and they see it as a cloud. And it's just again and again God's presence is a cloud. And what's going on here is the cloud of God's presence. Jesus is moving from this realm, the, the physical earthly realm, to the heavenly realm. And it's right there before them. And he's entering into it as this cloud receives him, hides them, hides him from them. And that's the, that's what's happening here. And it was whatever it actually looked like, it was amazing. We know it was amazing. Because what happened? They stood there. And they're just standing there staring. Couldn't believe what happened. And then angels have to come and say, Men of Galilee, why don't you stare at the sky? Right, the same way that he went, he's going to come back, but don't just stand there and stare at the sky. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, how, how do we respond to it? We're not going to stand there and stare at the sky. Three things. The first is this. Jesus has ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Take comfort. Because he's there. He's not just sitting, obviously. Oh, Jesus came to earth. He healed people. He taught. He caused trouble. And now he's just sitting. No, no, no. He's sitting on a throne. He's sitting with all the authority. And, he, and he's continuing the ministry that he had on earth in heaven, from heaven. 
And when we think about Jesus' ministry, we, we often describe, it's often described in three roles or three offices or three aspects of Jesus' ministry. Prophet, priest, and king. So Jesus is a prophet. He's the greatest prophet. And what does a prophet do? A prophet brings a message from God to the people. He's the messenger. Jesus came as a prophet, and he spoke the truth of God's kingdom, and he taught of it, and he brought God's word. And now, in heaven, he continues that ministry. He told, Jesus told his disciples, he's saying, I'm leaving you, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And he says this, John chapter 14, he says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and remind you of everything I've told you. So he goes away, but by his Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is that prophetic ministry of bringing God's Word to us is still active. So as we, uh, as we reflect on God's Word, as we read it, the Holy Spirit is, is speaking it to us. And as we go about our day, and we can so easily believe lies about God, lies about ourselves, just discouragement, the truth of God's Word by His Spirit is coming to us. That still happens today. So he was, a, he was a prophet. He continues to be a prophet. But Jesus was also a priest. And he continues to be a priest. The role, what does a priest do? A priest is one who stands between the people and God and offers, uh, so is a mediator between people and God and offers sacrifices for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus ultimately did that. He stood before a sinful humanity and a holy God and offered himself as the sacrifice on the cross. He died in our place because of our sin, taking it upon himself. That's the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice so we can receive forgiveness of sins. And Jesus continues his priestly ministry. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament describes it like this. Chapter 7, verse 23 says, There's been many priests and death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever... He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he's, he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus' priestly ministry didn't end because he's still alive. So he's continually standing between uh, us and uh, who are being made new but still very broken and sinful in many ways and, and a holy God and still interceding on our behalf continually pleading for us so there's no condemnation towards us because he's there because uh, he, he's there for us. There is one mediator between God and people, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, as 1 Timothy chapter 2 said. That's why we pray, when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. You hear Christians say that. We, we pray in Jesus' name because it's Jesus who's the one who stands before God and, and pleads these things to him. I describe it like this. Uh, imagine that you've been uh, arrested and you've been charged with a crime and you've, you've been uh, imprisoned. And the crime that you've been accused of is a capital offense. You've been accused of treason, of rebelling against uh, your own nation. And you know that if you're, if you're convicted of this, that you'll be executed. And you're alone, and you're in a prison cell, and you can't take visitors. And, um, in, in prisons, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to, to visit. You have to go at certain times, and sometimes I go visit 
I've had to go visit people in prison and you've got to follow all their rules. Unless, unless you're a lawyer. And I've gone to a prison and they say, oh, who's your client? Who are you here to see? And I say, oh, no, no, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a, I'm a pastor. And they say, well, you can go sit over there with everyone else. Uh, but if I was a lawyer, I said, oh, no, you go right at any time. You can see your client and speak to them. So you're sitting in your cell. You're waiting, and a lawyer comes to you. It says, look, it comes right in to where you're staying. It said, hey, I heard about your case, and I really, I believe in you, and I want to defend you, and I want to help you. I, I want to help you in this. And, and the, tell me your story. What's going on? And you start to tell your story. And for the first time in days, you've been treated poorly, and you've been interrogated, and you've been in, in, in filthy conditions. And here's somebody who cares about you, who understands you, and is listening to you, and you, you, you pour your heart to this person. And they compassionately listen. And they say, okay, i got to go. And you say, no, 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 don't leave me here. It's dark and lonely, and nobody's been here. Nobody understands me. You understand me. And the lawyer said, no, I have to go. Because as comforting as it is to have that lawyer right there with you, what you really need is that lawyer in the courtroom before the judge pleading your case. And this is, this is Jesus' role as a priest for us. That it would be great if Jesus was still, still here on earth and still comforting and, and still teaching. We need Jesus before the throne of God pleading our case and interceding on our behalf. That is his priestly role. We can take great comfort that as we, uh, as we fail and as we, as we struggle in life, that we are not condemned by God because we have a great high priest who's still our high priest. So Jesus is the prophet reminding us his word by his spirit. He's our great priest continuing, continuing to, to intercede for us. But he's also still the king. What do kings do? Well, kings rule. They, they set the rule and they protect. And they guard and they drive out enemies that seek to destroy the nation. They protect the people. So, we, so Jesus rules the world. He's... he's he continues to be the king. Well, what does that mean today? What does that mean for us? It means he's in charge. It means we don't have to worry about everything. Look at verse 6. It says, They gathered around him, Jesus, and they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his own authority. We say, Look, you don't have to obsess about the things that are out of your control. And, you know, they were obsessing, okay, when's the, when are the end times coming? And in that same thick theology book, if I look up end times or second coming of Jesus, hundreds of pages. Because we're obsessed with it. And Jesus said, look, don't worry about that. I'm the king. I'm in control. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back. And you can have comfort in that. So we obsess about the second coming. Well, we obsess about everything. We could worry, we could worry about anything. You might have woken up this morning with worries in your heart and on your mind, things that are weighing on you. And if we learn nothing else, that Jesus is uh, sitting in heaven, ruling the world, that we, he's got it. That God's got this. It, it, help, help me here, ready? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 It's true. And I have a friend who just reminds me, and, and when I'm struggling or when she's struggling, she said, you know what, though? 
God's guidance. Heaven's our destination. He's going there to prepare a place for us. He, he defeated death and came out on the other side. So we know that we can defeat death and, and get on the other side. And he has left is, and gone into heaven. We know that we can get there too. And nothing can separate us from that. So we take comfort in our prophet, our priest, our king Jesus, who's still in that role. So we take comfort. Second thing is we take heed. So if Jesus is the, is the Lord, we need to, there, there's a certain weight of that. There's a certain responsibility that comes with that. Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He, he describes it like this. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So he's describing this exact, you know, the today scenario. Jesus is at the right hand of God, so start thinking about him and his kingdom. He says, set your, uh, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And he continues, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. And he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It continues on, you, you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of, the, of renewed in knowledge in the image of, the, of its creator. He said, look, since Jesus is, is ruling, you need to align yourself with your king. That's part of this deal. And he's currently reigning. His rule is supreme. He's the great judge. He's going to ultimately drive out all evil and all sin. So we must align ourselves with him with obedient lives. Radical obedience to whatever God calls you to. And that includes rooting out all the sin and brokenness in your life and fighting for righteousness. Now, we don't just obey Jesus and follow him because we're afraid of this future judgment. We know that we're safe from that. We are secure in that because of what he's done. But because he's done that and because we recognize his lordship, we align with it. Because of his grace, we, we pursue his goodness. But the problem is this. We don't. We look at our lives we consider what we've done, we consider what we've said, start to consider our thoughts. They don't align perfectly with uh, all the time, with what Jesus is doing, with what he described his kingdom as and how we are supposed to live in that kingdom. We're not doing it. And when we don't do that, then we don't experience all of what it means to, to be human, to live in this earth and to live in his kingdom that is unfolding before us we don't flourish in that because the sin is entangling us and it's, it's corrupting that. So we take heed to recognize those things, to turn from them. The, the Bible word we use repent. We turn from those things and we pursue him, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that he is good and in control. And, but because the reality is from up there, he's coming to wipe that stuff off the earth. And, again, God's judgment and, and Jesus' return. I mean, this, isn't, this is not popular notions. And we're gonna, next week, we're going to talk about that Jesus is coming back to judge. But, but for now, we, we take heed and we faithfully and radically obey whatever God is calling you to do. So we take comfort. We take heed. And thirdly, we take action. Look at verse 10. 
They're looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Angels have to come. I assume it's two angels. They, they, they have to come and they have to remind you, don't just stand there. Take action. I had an argument with a child uh, one time, and I said to the child, brush your teeth. And the child turned to me and said, I am brushing my teeth. And I said, oh, no, no, you're not brushing your teeth. You're staring at a tube of toothpaste. There's a big difference between staring at a tube of toothpaste and actually brushing your teeth. And the angels go to these and say, guys, don't just stare at the sky. There's a difference between you know, trusting and following Jesus and just kind of staring into the sky. For us, it's more subtle, where we just get kind of stuck and forget that we've been given a great mission to live. It looks like us doing nice Christian things with Christian people and sort of isolating and knowing that he's in control and he's going to come back and make it all right and just kind of isolate. Or the other way it could look is we kind of just assimilate. Just, okay, I'll, my life doesn't look all that different than the world around me, even though the world around me doesn't love or honor or acknowledge Jesus in any way. But he's, you know, he's going to take, he's got me... He'll take care of it. We forget, no, no, no. That, that's not, that's staring at the toothpaste. You've you got to take action. And this is the, Jesus has just given them this great, this commission. He says in, in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city they were in, all of Judea and Samaria, so this is the surrounding areas, and to the ends of the earth. Wherever you go, you will be my witnesses, and I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, so you have the power to do it. So don't just stand there. This is for you to do. We have a, we have a mission to do. Now, and notice that angels are the ones telling them this. The angels say, hey, you still have, you know, don't just stand there. Now, the angels could have gone out and spread the message about Jesus, and I, but angels are not a comforting, comforting messenger's to proclaim the love of Jesus in the same way that people are. And I don't make me get the halo out and do that again. But for, if you weren't here, don't worry about it. Because angels aren't broken. They're not fallen like we are. And what Jesus has chosen, what he has set up, is for us as his followers to be the agents of his message in the world. So every day we, we or we can get frozen and not do it, but we're totally missing out on what he wants us to do now. Because we, we don't have to just isolate. We don't have to just assimilate. We can be a blessing to the world around us. Every day. How? Real quick. Quick list. If you're a note writer. Six M words. Real quick. These are not original to me. Tomorrow. Because you... Tomorrow... When you leave this place, we are on mission. We're not, we're not just waiting for Jesus to do something that he's actually equipped us and called us to do it. Or tomorrow, when you get up and go to work, you can live on mission, or in your neighborhood, in your home, wherever. Six M's. One, make good work. Everything you do, get them to go to work tomorrow, make good work. Do it well. Work like you're working for God and not for people. Let God work through you in that. Number two, model godly character. So how you exhibit uh, peace and patience and, and kindness and, and goodness and self-control and just... You can model that in your life and live that out in the world around you. Number three, minister grace and love. 
So, again, grace and love as key elements of this kingdom life. How do I show grace to people around me? Grace and forgiveness. How, how do I show love? How can I love excellently today? You can ask yourself that every single day. Live on mission. Fourth, mold culture. Again, we live in a culture that does not acknowledge God's way, that does not uh, honor God in any way. How do we shape our, the culture around us? How do we take a stand for, for God? Maybe there's an opportunity. Fifth, a mouthpiece for truth and justice. We become, we become spokespeople, and not just spokespeople, but really activists for, for truth and justice, where we administer justice in the name of Jesus, whether it's you know, serving somebody who needs food or caring for somebody who's hurt or visiting a sick person or just loving just, just a lonely, someone who's lonely. But to, to, that truth and, and justice would flow from, from our lives. Sixth, messenger of the gospel. You can also speak of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross. The forgiveness and the new life and, and the experience of God that you can know. You can be a messenger of the gospel. Any of those things. Now, you're not going to do all six of those things every day necessarily. But if we think, if, you, if you, we can get the mindset that Jesus is, Jesus, he's got this. Whatever I face, he's got it. And I'm on mission. Then we can live under his rule the way that he intended. Or at least begin to align with that. So, Jesus is ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We take comfort. We take heed and we take action. I'll leave you with this. Considering the importance of the, that Jesus ascended to heaven and that's where he sits and rules, uh, there's there's one verse in Scripture that really blew me away when I was considering these things. And this is perhaps the most amazing verse in all the Bible about this. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And what it's going to say, I'll read it to you in a second. But hear what, it, hear what you're, what you're going to hear is this. That when Jesus ascended to heaven, in a sense, we went there too. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 2, 6. It says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What in the world does that mean? It means this, that we have such a deep unity with Jesus. That we have such a, a deep unity with all of who God is through Jesus that we share in some measure in the spiritual realm, we share what he does, what Jesus does. So the, dis the distinctive thing about a follower of Jesus, the distinctive thing about a Christian, is not just that we worship Jesus, although we do. The distinctive thing is not just that we believe his teachings, we do. The distinctive thing about a Christian is not that we live moral, excellent, holy lives, although we pursue that. The distinctive thing about a Christian is that a Christian is in Christ is united with Christ. And by virtue of that union, you're actually sharing in the resurrection, the ascension, and the, the seat at the right hand of God. It's, we are, in a sense, enthroned in heaven with him. And this, can sound, this sounds very mystical. It sounds like some really abstract idea. But it's not just abstract. It's a living experience that you can experience today. 
that you are in Jesus, connected to Jesus in such a way that you are alive in him with a new awareness to the presence of God and the reality of God in the world around us and a love for him that you didn't have before. It, it's, an, it's something you experience today and an experience of other people around you now that you have this alive connection with God. Do you have an alive connection with the world around you and a love for people that you didn't have before? It's new life, but also new victory, that, that evil and sin is increasingly being put under our feet, that we have victory over those things, that we were, so we were dead and now we're spiritually alive, that we were imprisoned and, 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 and captive to, to sin, but now we've been seated on a throne. That's what this is all about. Anyone who is in Jesus Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, and we can experience that today. And I just want to pray for you right now, if you want to experience that. If you bow your heads right now and just pray with me, if you, if, if you want to experience that, just pray something like this, just silently where you are. Lord, I, I want to experience you and know you. I, I acknowledge that I've, you, are not, you have not been the Lord of my life, and I've gone my own way. But I turn to you now and I, I receive Jesus and him as, as who, who has brought us your word, who has stood in our place and has sacrificed himself for us. And so, Lord, I, I receive that. Please forgive me based on what he's done alone, Lord. And I know, Lord, that means he's the king of all things, that he rules the world. And I, I transfer, or Lord, help me, Lord, to transfer my faith and my confidence, not in myself, but may I transfer it to Jesus. That I might trust him and follow him and follow his ways. And may that change me by your Holy Spirit, that I might live on mission for you, that I might experience the fullness of life that you came to bring, Lord, that I might uh, glorify you, my Lord. May that be, Lord, take my death and breathe life into it. May I put the old things away and may you clothe me with the, the new things of your kingdom, Lord. May I experience it in all its fullness. May you be glorified. Thank you that you love me that much. Amen.